Well, Merry Christmas to everybody. It's, uh, it's a wonderful time of year, and we're here to celebrate. This is the last Sunday before Christmas, celebrate Jesus Christ coming into the world some 2,000 years ago. It's really one of the, I would say, two most momentous occasions in the history of the world. And, of course, the other one is Jesus rising from the dead. Uh, and both are, both are necessary. The Messiah had been prophesied for literally thousands of years that he was coming. He finally came. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And so the birth of Jesus was a miracle. He was born of a virgin, something that had never happened before and never has happened since. Uh, he was born with Mary, his mother, and conceived through the Holy Spirit, uh, fully man and fully God at the same time. His name, Emmanuel, means God with us. God himself had broken into human history as a baby boy. A baby who was fully human and fully God at the very same time. Now, why did God send his, his son, his only son, to be born and, and ultimately to die in a world that he had created? It was because humanity, you and I, the humanity that God had created was doomed. We had no hope. We were headed for eternal destruction because of our own sin. Each one of us has sinned and there was no way out. There was no way to be forgiven, there was no escape. And so God took the initiative and stepped in by sending Jesus. And so our message today is entitled Christmas Grace. You see, even though God sent Jesus to rescue us, we didn't deserve to be rescued. There was nothing in us that deserved Jesus to come. We didn't deserve to be saved from the consequences of our sin, from the consequences of our rebellion. We deserve to be separated from the presence of God forever and ever, each one of us. And yet God loved us so much, he had compassion on us that he sent his one and only son, his beloved son, to a world under the curse of sin. God showed us his extravagant grace. And God knew when he sent Jesus as this sweet baby boy, he knew that Jesus' mission as I said before, was not just to live among us. And Jesus knew that his mission was ultimately to die for us on the cross. The most cruel, the most agonizing death possible. And then to be raised from the dead. Raised back to life. Matthew 1.21 says, She, speaking of Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so the name that God gave his son, Jesus, means that Jesus is our Savior. It means Savior. Jesus' mission was to save people from their sins. That's why he came. Let's watch a short video called Grace in a Manger. And so this Christmas, as we remember a well-known story, I'm sure, to each one of us, I pray that we would see it with new eyes. That we would be amazed, that we would be awed as we think about what God did. God's amazing grace, far beyond what we could even imagine. He gave everything. The most precious gift he could possibly give, his one and only beloved son, that we might be set free to become 
his children. And when we begin to comprehend this grace, when we receive this grace into our lives, this amazing grace, our lives will be transformed. More and more we will become like the one who came to save us, like Jesus Christ. We'll be filled more and more with his peace, filled more and more with his joy as we experience his grace. And so today, we're going to explore three aspects of God's grace that were revealed in the coming of Jesus into our world. The grace that Jesus came to bring us was unexpected. Our story begins in Luke chapter 2. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Almost no one in Israel was expecting the Messiah to appear. I mean, it had been talked about for thousands of years, for prophesied for thousands of years, but he was not expected. And yet God in his sovereign power was moving. He was using a Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, to begin to set the prophetic timetable into operation. Unknown to Caesar, his census was taking place at just the right time. The time in which Mary was pregnant with baby Jesus, conceived not by her husband Joseph, but through the Holy Spirit. And so God's grace was unexpected, except by two people we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But it came in God's time. So Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And so Joseph and Mary had been living in Nazareth, but an ancient prophecy in Micah 5, 2, prophesied 700 years before that Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the Messiah. Undoubtedly, Joseph and Mary, I don't think they knew all the Old Testament prophecies, but God was in the process of sovereignly bringing that prophecy to pass. The Messiah must be born in Bethlehem, the city of David, as the Messiah was to be a descendant of David. And so God arranged for the birth of Jesus to be in Bethlehem, fulfilling one of these Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah through the actions of an unbelieving emperor who had no idea he was being part of this grand plan as he announced the census. Not only did God's unexpected grace come in God's time, it came in God's way. Verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her, that is Mary, to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And so this Messiah that was born was to be the ruler of the kings of the earth. To be the ruler even over this Roman emperor who was the greatest emperor in the history of Rome. And you would have thought that the Messiah's birth would be in some elaborate palace. Accompanied by people of great importance. But on the night that Mary was to give birth, her husband Joseph was frantically searching for a place to even have the baby. All the inns were booked. And finally... He found some type of barn or cave that housed animals, and they took refuge in that place. And so Jesus was born. The Messiah, God's anointed one, who would be the king of kings, was born in a humble stable. Have you ever been in a barn or stable where animals were? Yeah, it smells. doesn't smell good. Not in a clean crib, but he was laid in a feeding trough 
for cattle. And so Jesus' birth came in in the most humble of ways. The creator of the universe, the son of God, had laid aside his glory. The glory that he had in heaven being worshipped by myriads of angels. And when he opened his eyes, there's this baby boy in the manger and he laid on this prickly straw. He was in a new place. He set aside his heavenly glory to bring God's unexpected grace to earth. The Jewish people were expecting the Messiah to come as a conquering king. And this was as, about as far away from that as you could be. He came as a helpless, seemingly helpless baby boy. Now, the name Jesus, as I said before, it means savior, it means deliverer, it means rescuer. And that's what God's grace does for us through Jesus. He saves us, he delivers us, he, he rescues us. God reveals his grace to us today in unexpected ways and in his time. God reveals his grace to, to every lost person in this world, the Bible teaches us. No matter where they are living, whether they're in India, whether they're in the darkest parts of Africa, whether they're in... Russia, whether they're wherever they're at, God is revealing his grace to people in a multitude of ways. He's, he shows his great power. He shows his love through creation as we look around us. And to those who acknowledge him as the creator, to those who seek after him, he reveals to them the only way to be saved, which is through his son, Jesus Christ. And God's gift must be received through faith in order to be applied to our lives. And we'll talk more about that in a minute, how to experience God's grace for the first time. But God continues to reveal his grace to believers. If you're a believer here this morning, each and every day. Mary and Joseph were believers. It wasn't easy for Mary and Joseph to deal with the ridicule of being pregnant, seemingly out of wedlock to everyone around them. We don't talk about that much, but... I'm sure it was very difficult. It was difficult for the nine-month pregnant Mary to make the 80-mile trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem on the back of a donkey, but it was part of God's plan. Whatever you're going through in life today, whether things are going great or not so good, God wants to reveal his unexpected grace into your life. He's there. Look for that grace. It's coming Back to our story. This unexpected grace that only Mary and Joseph knew about was now going to be grace announced. Our story continues in verse 10. It says, the angel said to them, we'll see this is the shepherds in a minute, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so God doesn't hide his grace. God announces what is happening through an angel. The birth of Jesus Christ, God's grace, through the birth of Jesus Christ, God's grace was breaking into the world, and that is good news. In fact, good news, that's great news. That's awesome news. Good news that brings great joy. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was and is good news not just for the Jews, not just for the people of Jesus' day, but for all people of all time. This baby that was born is the Savior. He's Christ. He's the anointed Messiah. And he's the Lord. That is to say, he is God himself. Now, who was this 
first angelic announcement of the birth of the Messiah made too? Well, it was made to the unlikely. It was made to shepherds, verse 8 and 9. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And so the angel appeared to shepherds watching their flocks in the middle of the night. Shepherding was not considered a great occupation in those days. Little boys didn't grow up and I want to be a shepherd. I want to spend my time in the middle of the night, out in the rain, whatever else was out there, watching sheep. It was hard work. It was dangerous work. You had to protect the sheep against wild animals, against thieves. The conditions were not great at all. No air conditioning, no heat. And so the announcement of Jesus Christ came first to these unlikely, lowly, and despised shepherds. And their immediate reaction was not of great joy, was it? It says it was great fear. What is going on here? That, now that's the standard reaction of seeing an angel is great fear. And the words the angels have been trained to say is fear not. Uh, that's the first words they always say, fear not. The angel went on to tell them that they would find the baby in a manger. And so the shepherds followed the angel's direction. They traveled to Bethlehem to find this special baby. And after they found the baby Jesus, just as the angel had said, they spread the news. They spread the news joyfully. Verse 17, and when they saw it, the baby, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And so the shepherds couldn't keep this good news to themselves. They began to spread it all over the place. The news of the angelic visitation. Finding this baby in the most unusual of circumstances. They told what the angel had told them. That this baby was going to be the Savior. Was going to be the Messiah. Was going to be the Lord. And people who heard it were filled with awe. They were filled with wonder. I mean, why would the shepherds be spreading this story unless it was true. It was good news, and the shepherds couldn't wait to share it with others. Verse 20 says, The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And so not only did the shepherds tell the story to everybody they could find, they began to praise God. They realized something very unusual had happened to them, that they had been privileged to not only see those angels, not just one angel, but a choir of angels announcing the birth of the Messiah, but actually to have seen and worshipped the Messiah himself. They were highly privileged, and they gave thanks to God. And so God's grace is not meant to be a secret. God reveals it to us through his word. He reveals it through his spirit. He reveals it to, through creation and through his people. As I said before, God reveals his grace to every person in the world in one way or another. God reveals his grace to the unlikely. He reveals his grace to the poor, to those who are humble, to those who admit that they need it. And that grace is good news. If we've really experienced God's grace in our lives, then we want to share it with others. That's the best of news. It's transformed our lives. It's brought great joy into our lives, and we desire to share that joy with others who need God's grace in their lives, which everyone does. 
no one accepted. And if you struggle sometimes to share God's grace with others, as, as we all may do from time to time, take a moment to think about and thank God for his gracious gift of Jesus. For how your life has been transformed, how your life has been changed, and what that grace can do for another person. And as you allow God's grace to fill you with joy, as you begin to think and comprehend what that grace has accomplished in your life, not just in this life, but for eternity, you'll want to share it with others as well. Now that grace was also confirmed to Mary and Joseph. Let's look at Luke 2.22. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they, that's the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought him, that's Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And so the Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke now fast forwards to Jesus' presentation at the temple, which was shortly after his circumcision on the eighth day, which is what the Old Testament had prescribed. And so Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to dedicate him to the Lord at the temple. Now we're going to see that God has already spoken to others about the coming of the Messiah, not just in some vague futuristic way as it was in the Old Testament, but, but in precise prophetic terms. And these prophetic voices were going to confirm what the angels had said to, angel, uh, to Mary and Joseph and to the shepherds. We're going to see that the, the faith of these people who are looking for the Messiah was going to be rewarded. The first person we're going to look at is verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or Messiah. And so Simeon was a believer. He was advanced in age, but he was following the Holy Spirit. The Spirit had revealed to him the amazing truth that after 2,000 years in his lifespan, which is a very short time, over 2,000 years, in his lifespan, he would see the Messiah. And he believed what the Spirit had revealed to him. The next verse tells us that the Holy Spirit guided Simeon to come to the temple at the exact time that Mary and Joseph were coming to present Jesus. And when Simeon saw the baby in their arms, he immediately knew that this was the Messiah. And he took him, took Jesus in his arms. He prophesied over Jesus. He knew that God's promise to him had been fulfilled. And now he could go home. His faith over the years had been rewarded. Not only did God speak to the prophet this prophet Simeon about the coming Messiah, he also spoke to an aging prophetess named Anna. So it's not just the men. So now we have a woman. And she gave thanks. Verse 37. And then as a widow, speaking of Anna, not reading the whole thing, her husband had died when she was early married. Uh, she was a widow until she was 84 years old. She's 84 years old now. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And so God also revealed to Anna that a Messiah had come in the form of baby Jesus. 
The Spirit brought her at the exact time into the temple to see the baby. She immediately knew through the Holy Spirit that it was the Messiah. She came to him. She began to give thanks to God that the Messiah had come. And not only did she give thanks, but just as the shepherd, she began to talk about Jesus the Messiah to everyone else around. She couldn't keep the news to herself. She had seen the Messiah. She had touched the Messiah. She had held the Messiah. Those who wait and believe for God's grace to come are rewarded and their hearts are filled with thanksgiving. So if you're a believer here this morning, this, you have been a recipient of God's unexpected grace. You didn't work hard enough to own it or to earn it. You weren't smart enough to understand it. Just God just brought it into your life in his time and in his way. And you receive that gift of grace. Maybe your parents told you about Jesus. Maybe a church or a friend told you about him. Or you were given a Bible or a tract that you read. But in one way or another, God's grace was announced to you. And that baby who was born 2,000 years ago has become your Savior and Lord. Although he's no longer a baby, is he? He's a risen Lord of Lords and King of Kings, ruling and reigning in heaven right now. And just as the shepherds had been filled with joy and they wanted to spread that good news, so we are filled with joy. And we want to spread the good news to keep that chain of grace growing. You see, you were part of a chain. Somebody told you, somebody shared the good news with you. And we have an obligation to keep the chain going and to share that good news with others. Maybe some of us don't feel so joyful this Christmas. Maybe you, like me, like all of us, maybe our lives are not perfect. Nobody has a perfect life. Maybe there are issues in your life with relationships or finances or, or health. But the same grace that brought salvation into your life is there to help you Face all of life's struggles with joy. You see, the one that came into the world as a baby, the one who died to forgive your sins, he is alive today. He lives to guide you. He lives to protect you. He lives to see you through every difficulty you may face in your life. He offers his grace to each one of us this morning. Just like Simeon and Anna choose to believe that God's grace is bigger than any problem you may face. Just like Simeon and Anna, choose to give thanks that he's going to see you through, that he has a plan, and he's going to help you follow that plan. For those who have never received the gift of God's grace, the gift of Jesus the Savior, you can receive the greatest gift of all this Christmas season. In order to receive that gift of grace, you need to admit that you've sinned, which we all have. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You need to believe that Jesus Christ came into the world, died on the cross, paid the price for our sins, and rose from the dead. Put your faith and trust in him and commit your life to following him as your Lord. 
So we're going to pray right now to ask everyone to bow your heads. If you've never prayed a prayer like this before, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Or if you'd like to recommit your life this Christmas, 2019, I'd encourage you to pray a prayer something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. And my eternal destiny is not with you. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and paid the price that I might be forgiven. He took the penalty for me. And he rose from the dead. And I commit my life to following him as my Lord and Savior. For those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for this great gift that you sent into the world some 2,000 years ago, Jesus, our Savior. We're so grateful for this, this unexpected, this amazing, this undeserved grace that you offered to us. The more that we comprehend, help us to comprehend more of this grace, God. Expand our minds, expand our thinking. And the more that we experience your grace and understand it in our lives, the more that we want to give thanks to you, the more that we want to share our joy with others. Forgive us, God, for sometimes focusing on our problems and our issues in life and not on your grace in our lives. That will see us through everything that you allow to come into our lives. May this Christmas, God, may this Christmas season be a time of joy. Oh, it's not going to be perfect. We understand that. But may be a time of joy as we give thanks for you, your great gift, your grace, and your blessings in our lives. And God, we ask for opportunities to, to share your grace this season with others around us who do not yet know the Savior of the world, who are not yet filled with the great joy that only you can give. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.